the worst thing I've had happen to swimming is running full speed into a wall and you're over that in about 30 seconds. Yeah. (laughs) So it's not something terrible. You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. Today, our guest is Evan Wilkerson. You have not met him yet, but you have met some of his family. In episode three, we had Olivia on, his older sister, and she talked about growing up with a visual impairment and her adventures at space camp and surfing and zip lining and some other activities. And then in episode nine, his mom, Tracy, was on, and she talked about what it was like parenting two children who are visually impaired, but also her studies as an O&M specialist and what the role of an O&M specialist is. So if you miss those two, go back and listen to episode three and nine. But today we're focusing on Evan because Evan has a very different story and I think you'll be interested in what he has to share. So Evan, would you like to introduce yourself for us? Hey, so I'm Evan. I'm 15. I'm going into 10th grade this summer. Um, I'm I've got an eye condition called uh, Libra's congenital amaurosis. It affects the retina of my eye in some kind of odd ways. Uh, And then I have no color vision, no central vision. And then I also have nystagmus, which is the involuntary movement of the eye. Um, And then I also just enjoy uh, reading and I enjoy swimming a lot and also playing games Uh, however I can make those accessible or if I can make those accessible uh, by, you know, coding my way around stuff. And then I also enjoy coding. I code in Python and HTML. That's, you know, that's pretty much me. So you're, now we talked to Olivia about schooling. You're at an online school, correct? Yes, I am. So the, um, so you're talking about the games, are you referring to online games or board games or what types of games? Uh, Online computer games, if I can make them accessible. And what is your current favorite right now? Oh, that's really hard. Um, <laughs> I would say that it's probably Survive the Wild. It's a, uh, it's a audio game meant for the visually impaired. Oh. So it's it's very accessible, screen reader friendly, all that kind of good stuff that uh, makes it work for someone who can't see the screen. So is it giving you like descriptive sections as well? No. So everything, the only thing you need screen reader accessibility for is the menu and stats and then everything else is described in audio. Okay. So, so that I know, I know they're getting better at having that type of options out there, but I think there's still a long way to go with a lot of things. Yes, there is. So yeah, so there, there are some challenges whenever you're visually impaired trying to, to get everything together, but I'm, I'm encouraged by what I'm, what I'm hearing about what is starting to happen now. Today, our main topic that we're talking to Evan about is swimming. He had mentioned that was one of his hobbies, but he's pretty modest with it. So Evan, I wanted to find out, how old were you when you first learned how to swim? Uh, I started taking swim lessons when, oh gosh, that was forever ago. Uh, Probably about three or four. Uh, We just did them through the YMCA for a couple of years, but then they, uh, just because of my visual impairment, they kept me in the same um, lesson for about two or three years and I was just like no this is not gonna work because I'm you know I'm not learning anything I'm not getting better um so 
I probably stayed with the Y until I was about maybe five or six. So at that point, you said you weren't getting better. Were you not learning the strokes? Were you just working on floating still? What? Uh, it was still very basic, like the whole chicken airplane soldier for backstroke and um, very basic freestyle. Okay. And it was, um, you know, still very short distances. From that, so where did you go from there then to to learn more more about the actual strokes and to get your stamina up? So after that, I, I really stopped swimming for a bit. And then we went to uh, Granite Falls Swim and Athletic Club. It was it was really what I needed for my swimming career at the time. Um, I, you know, I got into better lessons. I was learning strokes. I was doing, you know, up to 50 yards at a time after, you know, I'd been in lessons with uh, just swim lessons for about a year or so. I joined the um, swim team, which it wasn't a big difference because, you know, when you put a bunch of seven-year-olds in a pool together and, um, you know, they barely know how to swim. Right. You're not going to get <laughs> too much. And strokes are still developing at that age. <laughs> yes. I was going to ask how, how old you were. So, so you took a little bit of time off, but it sounds like it wasn't much time really if you were seven at the time. It was probably about three months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So just a short time. That's And I, I think that happens a lot where kids start with just a regular swim lesson where the focus is on breathing and water safety more than anything else. But then right. you need you need a little bit more if you want to develop the strokes and to to actually be able to use those strokes in a more competitive way. So did you start right. competing right away or did you just swim with the swim team to practice with them? No, I never started competing until it was. Um, so I would have been about nine at the time. It was in 2016. We'd gone to see the. Uh, Paralympic trials for the Paralympic Games in Rio okay. and uh, that was just in Charlotte so we just took a weekend and we were going to just Great Wolf Lodge down there but we took a bit of time and went to see those. What do you remember about that as far as what changed with you wanting to actually compete? I had never really seen another visually impaired person swim other than my sister and you know we were both at very similar levels at the time mm -hmm. uh, but I saw, you know, other visually impaired people swimming competitively there, uh, swimming well, you know, making it to these world type swim meets. And it was just something that I really wanted to do. Uh, and I never really realized that before. But once I saw it, I was like, this is really neat. I never knew I could do this. I want to try to get there. Now, when so you were still swimming with your local group at that yes. point. And then, um, now I know, I know I've, I've heard some of the modifications that you've done, but I don't fully understand everything that you've done. Being visually impaired at the level that you are, what is the hardest thing about swimming? Like, are you able to see the line at the bottom of the pool? Can you, can you see where the wall is to know what your distance is? So I can see the line at the bottom of the pool if it's a uh, fairly well lit pool and it's under about 10 feet in depth. Okay. If it's really deep, I can't and I have to um, kind of stay near the lane line where I can feel it with my hand as I'm stroking so that I know that uh, I'm not, you know, drifting all over the lane and causing harm to my times. Is but, that um, slowing with... you down though if you do that? 
No. So I only do a very light touch. And okay. so it doesn't disrupt my stroke. Okay. Because I would think that if you're focused, at first it probably may have. Right. It did at first. To do that. Um, and then with the wall, I have uh, at competitions, I have most time it's my parents. They have these um, about 12 foot long poles. And each one has a pool noodle on the end just for cushioning. And uh, when I'm two strokes out from the wall, they will hit me in the head with those. And so I know, all right, I got two strokes and then I have to turn. Right. On certain strokes, we found uh, that it's beneficial to do it one stroke on a breaststroke and butterfly just because of the way that stroke is done. And it was getting way too far out from the wall to be effective. Right. Well, so so on backstroke, then it's about the same distance as the the ling. I mean, the flags would be. Yes, it's about else. probably two or three feet in from the flags. Okay, okay. And are there any limitations on doing something like that during a competition? Is there has there ever been a problem with that? No. So it's recognized by uh, the USA Swimming and uh, the Olympic and Paralympic committees that this is a reasonable adaptation to the sport and it's not causing the swimmer any advantage or disadvantage. Okay. So whether you're swimming against someone else who's visually impaired or any type of, of disability or with a, a typical swimmer, you're, you're legal either way. Right. On that. Okay. And then, um, all right. So when you're, so when you're competing, you're making that in your practice, have you done any modifications for that? Yes. So in practice, we started out doing tapping when we were just at Granite Falls, but then it's very tiring to stand on a uh, pool deck five days a week for an hour and just hit someone on the head. Well, I'm thinking so, the weight of a 12 foot pole. No yeah. How small it is, it still has weight to it. Right. And so we went, my first Paralympic meet, it was in uh, October and we found that they used sprayers and so it's just like a regular garden hose with a regular uh, sprayer attachment on the end and you put that on the wall uh, if you're in the end lane you put it on the wall where it's uh, spraying across the lane two strokes out so that's just a substitute for the tapping rather than you know a tapper standing there you just have to uh unreal that hose and put it out and put something on top of it to keep it from jumping around and you're set. So is it hard to feel the water though, whenever you're for the spring? No, no. A lot of the times the water that's coming out is going to be colder or warmer True. than the pool water. <laughs> and so it's also got a lot of pressure behind it. So you can usually feel it. Okay. Well, that's what I was thinking. Cause it's, it's different. And then, so then, so for practice, you're doing that, but in the competition, you're doing the tap. Right. Okay. So, cause I would think that might get a little confusing too, but once you've been through it enough times, as long as it's the same distance, I guess it would be the same. Right. It takes, it takes a little getting used to, but after a couple of weeks, it's just something normal. And it's something that, uh, you know, you're used to and it doesn't bother you and it's actually helping you. And, um, do you swim in any relays? Yes. So, I've swam in a couple. A lot of the times, you know, it's just uh, practice relays, just, you know. Um, but 
in swim meets, I have swam in a few relays. It's not super common, but yes, I have. And does someone tap you to know when the tag has happened? Uh, so how that works is somebody is, so I'm up on the block in relay dive position right. and someone is holding my ankle. And so when I need to go, they release my ankle and that's my cue. All right, okay. I need to go. Okay. I, I've seen I've seen that before, but I had not realized they were just releasing the ankle. And maybe it's different from swimmer to swimmer, what it is what it is they they need. But um, but in that case, I mean you're you're looking at just fractions of seconds difference sometimes between first and second place. Right. So trying to get in there, um, and then so you talked about the the first team that you were swimming with. What team do you swim with now, and do you swim with more than one team? Uh, I currently swim for New Wave Swim Team. Uh, I needed something more competitive than Granite Falls because Granite Falls, it was more of just a neighborhood swim team. New okay. Wave is, you know, it's much more competitive. Uh, my current coach was actually trying to qualify for the Olympics back wow. in 2019. So uh, before COVID. Yeah. That's that, that actually is, is pretty impressive though, to have someone that was swimming at that level. Right. To be coaching it's, you. It's very nice because, you know, he knows what we need to be doing more than someone who hasn't been at that level. Right. Right. I mean, I, w I was a water safety instructor. I could teach you all the strokes, but I'm not going to be able to teach you the competitive side of it. Right. So, so there, there is a difference between just, just getting your strokes perfected <laughs> and then, then trying to shave off seconds, minutes, whatever you can do. Um, now, I noticed this year that your times improved quite dramatically for, I, I, I haven't been keeping up a whole lot, but when I was tracking for a little bit, it seemed like you were shaving off time week after week for a while there. Are you where you, where you feel like you should be right now? Uh, so a month ago, I would have said yes, but since we just switched from going, uh, so our normal practice is 25 yards. But in the summer, we go to 50 meters, which is what the rest of the world uses. So that's what I'll be swimming uh, if I make it to the Paralympics. Okay. So since we just made that jump, it doesn't sound like a lot. It just sounds like a longer pool. But each 50 meters is five yards longer than 50 yards. Right. So that it changes how you should do your strokes. It changes your race strategy. Uh, and then it just takes a lot of getting used to. What is the longest distance that you have swum? Are you doing any of the longer freestyle? Uh, the longest I have done is uh, the 500 yard free. I was wondering if you had done that one. Yes, I've done that one. My coach wants me to do the mile, but I'm kind of like, uh, do I want to <laughs> do that? Are you more of a sprinter or a Yes, stamina? I am a sprinter. Okay. Yeah, I was like, because you, you, every, every athlete has a build for either sprinting or stamina it's it's rare that you have one that does that excels in both right with it so yeah i was curious about that the um to me i, I think i think this the sprinting would be would be the easier one because you you've got the blast you've got it all out there but um but the 500 i don't know that i would have enjoyed that one either <laughs> so with some of the swimming that you've done where all have you traveled so far for meets um so i've gone to Augusta, Georgia. That was my first 
uh, Paralympic meet. Uh, a lot of the regular meets I've done is in just here in North Carolina. And then I've also gone to Colorado Springs for one meet. And then I'm going to Florida later this year for a meet. Wow. So the Colorado and the Florida, what types of meets are those? So Colorado was a national meet. So it was people from all over the country and Canada. And I think there was a couple from Mexico. Okay. Um, and then that was, it was a fairly competitive meet, but it wasn't, you know, super competitive. And then in Florida, it's a regular meet for, um, it's not a Paralympic meet. So okay. I'll be competing against, um, you know, people who I usually swim with, like typical swimmers. Right. Uh, I'll be competing in that type of competition. Do you see a big difference in the times between the Paralympic times and the the typical meet? Um, not really. In like a typical swimmer is a couple seconds faster than me usually. But other than that, there's not really much difference. That's what I was going to ask if you're, if you're, com how competitive are you against the typical? Because, because a typical swimmer, you know, you're, 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 you're 15, you've got another 15 year old, same body build, same experience and everything. They're not having to go through the process of keeping track in their lane, being tapped in and all that. That's got to make a little bit of a difference because it's not, it's yes. not an even playing field. Right. It usually does make a slight difference. Yeah, so it'd be interested with just a straight sprint with, I don't know, a cushion, I guess, at the end. <laughs> so, so, so you're not having to think about where the wall is. <laughs> or, or, or just measuring it at, at the 25 of a 50, you know, to, right. to see where, where, where are you at that point. It, I, I'm, I'm sure you're probably out ahead of them at that point. <laughs> so, um, so thinking about this, so what are your goals for the future? What are your plans? So currently I'm working on getting the emerging times, which is a time I need to be able to, uh, it gives uh, psych help as well as nutritional help. Um, okay. Just stuff, you know, just advice. Uh, I need to drop 0.99 seconds in my 100 meter backstroke to make that time. Wow. And so then, much. yeah. And then in the next couple years, I'm... I'm uh, going to start working on getting the qualifying times for the Paralympics. And then my ultimate goal is to make uh, Paralympics 2024. Okay. So that's not, that's not very far away. No, it's not. So, but, but you're going to have more growth between now and then for height. So it gives you a better reach with it. Right. And, um, and even just at your age now, as more muscle development comes through too, that's, that's going to give you a, a spurt as well. It's, right. Um, you're at an age where it, it's interesting because the swimming really develops quickly as you're hitting those growth spurts. Yes, it does. So, um, so just, just keeping up, up with that, keeping your stretching going while you're getting into those, those different spurts so that your muscles are strong and not, and not weakening on that. Right. All right. So if, um, if a parent that's listening has a child that's interested in swimming, um, and either they haven't started swimming yet, or they're just beginning to, and they're thinking maybe about some competitive swimming, what advice would you give to that parent of a young child now? Uh, I would say, you know, just be supportive and, you know, do the, uh, the stuff that, uh, your child needs, uh, to succeed and, 
push them, but don't be overly, you know, don't make them feel like they have to do it. And then also just, you know, be aware of the sprayer and the tapping options if uh, they need that. And then for a child who's interested in swimming, what advice would you give to them? Uh, listen to your coaches. Your coaches know what you need to be doing. If um, it's something with the um, with your disability and it's you know more vision related, then you know try to find an answer. But uh, your coaches are going to know what you need. They know you know the strokes. They know um, the strategies you need to be using. And then a lot of the times they just have great ideas. And then also just, uh, you know, jump in, uh, play around with it. Make sure, you know, you're thinking about what you're doing. Uh, think about your goals. Uh, and then keep that in your mind while you're swimming, as well as the advice you get from your coaches. Uh, and then don't be afraid of it. It's it, the worst thing I've had happen to swimming is running full speed into a wall. <laughs> Oh, and no. you're over that in about 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not something terrible. Have you found your teammates are supportive? Yes. Um, it really depends on the team, though. My former team was not super supportive because it wasn't as competitive. But my current team that I'm on now is, you know, it's very supportive. We all support each other. You know, it's it's an all or nothing thing. I find I find swimming is a sport where you usually find that with the team where it, it's individual, but it's not because the team's getting points together. They're they're trying to, to encourage each other to get stronger. Everyone wants to be out front, of course, but right. you're not leaving each other behind. You're still encouraging those who may be a slower swimmer, but you want to see them improve. Right. And then um, the other question I was wondering too, um, more for the parents if they're young children, but is there somewhere they can go to find out what those rules are that, like which modifications are allowed and not allowed? Is there like a national website they could go to? Uh, you can probably find that on the uh, the Paralympic website or just ask around, ask um, if you know someone, ask them. If you don't, Google is gonna be your best friend for that. Okay. Okay, great. Well, this, this the is USA some... Swimming website may also be good. I, I was thinking maybe maybe we, we can link to that too, just in case they have some information. Um, I think this has been great information. So I'm hoping that some of our listeners that haven't thought about swimming for their child will have a little more confidence knowing that this is an option for them. And a great, even if it's just for fun and exercise, you've got summer swim teams, you have um, more relaxed type of swim swim groups. And then you have, you know, if you have a child who's really competitive and wants to get out there, this is this is a great sport for them to get into. So, um, so Evan, we always have what we call the speed round. It's 10 short questions and um, everyone is asked the same questions. And after our 25th, we're going to actually put a chart up of where all the answers are. So we can kind of see, see how, how many answered different ones. And um, the first three questions are open-ended. It's just a question of favorites and things like that. Just answer whatever comes to mind. And then the seven after that are either or. So you'll get a choice of two things and you choose which one, or you could say both or neither, depending on what you want to say. <laughs> so, okay. So there's kind of the, the sky, the sky's the limit on these. <laughs> so are you ready? Yes. All right. So the first question, what's your favorite color? Uh, orange. And what was the last book that you read? Last 
book. Oh my gosh. Um, you said you like to read. Come on. <laughs> I do like to read. Uh, that would be Dauntless by Jack Campbell. Okay, excellent. Um, what's your favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. And these are the either or. So cake or ice cream? Cake. Batman or Superman? Superman. Ocean or mountains? Ocean. Winter or summer? Uh, winter. Watch a movie or read a book? Oh, this one's hard. Uh, both. <laughs> both, okay. Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Oh my gosh, these are hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say Lord of the Rings. Okay, and Twitter or Instagram? Uh, Instagram. Instagram, okay. So the um, so they, 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 they aren't hard, but they're kind of interesting to see how different ages and male and female answer the questions. So I think it'll be interesting to see what the the overview is when I post that. All right. So then the final thing that I usually ask is how we can contact you. And Evan and I talked about this ahead of time. And anyone that has questions, if they want to ask him more about his swimming or some of the things that he's done through the years at different ages, you can you can send him a note via the info at waterprairie.com. And we'll make sure that, that he gets that. So just just send it to us through that. We'll put a link in the in the notes for the show so you can see that as well. So Evan, thank you for taking the time to share this with us today. I think it's really going to be a good thing for parents that are listening. You're welcome. I hope it'll be useful to someone out there. Thank you. Well, keep us posted on how you're doing in these different competitions. We, we can we can post some updates from here and there too. And, um, and maybe in 24, we can do an interview with you as the official Olympian at that point. <laughs> All right, I will do that. You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.